Nailed it. Like Jesus to a cross. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there, there, there's the I love how you used us in with a, you know, an easier one. Nice, nice little uh, acclimation the process there, just right out of the gate. <laughs> Some combinations of your three favorite dads, Joel, Tony, and Johnny, banter about a team that has historically been averse to winning, the San Diego Padres. Join us as we share the highs and lows, some more lows, and sometimes some additional lows of following the Padres as they look to become contenders in the upcoming years. Uh, so with me once again this week are both Joel and Tony back from a nice holiday layoff. And uh, guys, how are you doing? I'll start. Uh, I'll start with Joel. Hey, uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I had an adventurous uh, holiday vacation. Kind of a fun. We'll just jump right into story time, I suppose. Uh, we uh, we took a trip to Zion National Park out in Utah uh, with the family, uh, my wife and and my two sons and. They got to play in the snow. We had a couple snowball fights. It was a great time. <clears throat> but uh, on the way back uh, from Zion was where the fun started, and I phrased it that way for a reason. So we are <laughs> we're driving through. Everything seems great. Uh, we get through Las Vegas, which my wife is not a fan of Las Vegas, by the way, which also adds to the charm of, of this lovely story. Um, but uh, we get through Vegas, and we're approaching Prim, Nevada. Uh, I don't know if, the, I guess the two of you have probably both been through there. I know, Johnny, we've been through I am Vegas. quite familiar, yeah. And uh, so my first thought going <laughs> Isn't through that where was... where Buffalo Bills is? Yeah, yeah, exactly. My, my, my okay. first thought going through there was, I, I recognize some of this stuff from Fallout New Vegas. <laughs> like, oh, there, yeah, there's the prison over there, and there's a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah, this, this looks pretty accurate. And then uh, my next thought was, oh, man, there's a lot of traffic. Um, so I, I don't know if they had a checkpoint set up or what, but there was like bumper to bumper traffic. Uh, they had signs up that were saying, check your water, check your fuel, check your tire pressure, that kind of stuff. And so, um, mm. I, I took heed of that, that sign. Um, and I, I began to try to pull off towards uh, whiskey Pete's casino. Yeah. Oh, I know. And truck stop. Pete's. And on the way there, we saw, uh, uh, just out of the front part of the hood, Almost so wispy that I couldn't really be sure if it was happening. I saw these little puffs of smoke coming out from under the hood. Um, uh oh. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, oh, that that's not great. Let's let's go stop over and then see what's going on. Um, so as we pull into the parking lot, uh, I start to lose power steering, and as uh. I'm like, okay, we got to get parking space now. Um, and then as I'm looking for a parking space, I hear a chime, and then I look over at my uh, my gauges, and I have a but like one of the battery gauges on the Jeep, right? It's dropping fast. Uh, so now I'm losing power. Uh, there's big problems going on. So we go ahead and park. I th- what I think is going on is the serpentine bell has popped off. Um, I'm not exactly sure why it has popped off, which becomes important later. Um, so we're kind of, I- I'm, I'm struggling to figure out how I can get the serpentine belt back on because it's, you know, it's at tension, right? So I can't just like stretch it like a rubber band around all the pulleys. 
So this trucker comes by and helps out. Um, he's got a crowbar, so he's able to push down this like tensioner arm that puts slack in the belt, and we're able to get it back on. We think we're good. It, it turns out we're not good, right? So there's this pulley on the engine. Uh, it's called an idler pulley. It really doesn't do too much. It's just bolted onto the engine, and I think it helps guide the belt around. But um, it was totally shot, we found out later. So it, like, <laughs> the belt was trying to force it around, and uh, it, it made it kind of, like, come loose on the bolt a little bit. So it was, like, leaning towards the front part of the car rather than being straight up and down like it would it would look normally. Um, there was so much friction and heat from it trying to get forced around that the uh, the threads on the bolt that were holding it to the engine were melted. <laughs> and so I'm sitting here uh, approximately 50 miles away from Las Vegas with no tools, and uh, the car's completely disabled. So, <laughs> so I'm rambling here, but uh, we end no, up no, we end no. up getting towed. It was it turns out it was just under 50 miles, which is important because my insurance coverage will cover me for a tow for up to 50 miles. Um, that was <laughs> that was how long the tow was. It was 47 miles, I believe, to get to an auto zone where they had the pulley, and I had to put it back on with the melted bolt that I mentioned earlier because they didn't have one that was the right size at auto zone. Because why would they have what you need at auto zone, an auto parts store? They also had a, a quote, loan a tool program that I thought I'd be able to take advantage of, and they said, oh, no, we don't have any of that stuff. They, so, like, they, uh, they, they pulled out this big board and had pictures. No, of, we just got, like, screwdrivers and hammers and stuff. It man. was awful. They pull out this big board, and it's got pictures of all these wonderful tools. And I'm like, great, I'm going to have everything I need to get this done. And they're like, no, 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 come over here. And they take me behind the counter, and these they have these two just boxes of spare tools just laying in there. And so I'm like, ah, I think a 15 millimeter wrench will do it. And I take that and I, I bought bought a breaker bar to be able to do the tensioner. And I, I'm sitting here in this kind of seedy part of town. My, my wife was asking the tow truck driver about it. And he was like, yeah, this isn't the best area. He's And he, to try to make us feel better, he's like, if you go down that way a few miles, it gets way worse. And we're like, I get what you're trying to do, man. But like, <laughs> so, like, we're under a little bit of pressure, right? But I managed to get the belt back on, or the pulley, the new pulley on with the the melted bolt. And then I put the, the serpentine belt back on. We drive back home uh, going no faster than 60 miles an hour. Um, so we were in, we oh, left in the morning. We were thinking we were going to get home around, like, 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And after our fun little yeah. detour, we actually ended up getting home at, like, midnight on uh, Sunday morning rather than oh, Saturday night. So, Jesus. Yeah, it was insane. But I, I say uh, where the fun started, because as we're getting pulled out of Whiskey Pete's truck stop, there's this big marquee sign, mm-hmm. right? And on the sign, we see it as we're getting you know pulled out back towards Vegas. It says, this is where the fun starts in huge letters. And I just, I could not, <laughs> oh my I God. could not <laughs> believe the irony. It was, it was a wonderful experience <laughs> and a great story. But we made it. We're safe. I'm alive. So... And a little bit handier with a car now, so it was overall a good experience, I suppose. But yeah, that was my uh, holiday break. How about you, Tony? Wow, that was great. <laughs> I, feel I didn't like... know you knew how to do all the. I didn't know you knew how to do all those car things. I am like not as mechanically inclined. I got really lucky because um, there's for the belt. It has a diagram, right? When you open up the hood, it shows you exactly how the belt is supposed to go around each one of the pulleys. Otherwise, I would have been totally hosed. Between oh, that, that and YouTube videos. So, like, keeping my phone charged was, like, <laughs> critical. And so, of course, I've got, like, 20% charge. And my phone always has, like, plenty of charge. I don't know what the hell was going on. So, just, yeah, just a perfect storm. But, yeah, we made it. Mm. Mm. 
Nice. I feel like I can now be Jeremy Clarkson, and you guys are Richard Hammond and James May, and this is now Top Gear. <laughs> uh, yeah, when you told us about the uh, Zion trip, you did you kept all of this hidden for I'm assuming yeah, the recording, and right. wow, that is a. Uh, I would not have handled that as well. That is for sure. Especially if I had people relying on me. If it was just me, I'd be like, eh, well, this sucks, but it's just me. If I had people with me, it's like, hey, what do you do now? I'd be like, I don't know, panic, cry, (laughs) call someone. (laughs) I'm not doing this. I can't. I can't do any of this. (laughs) Yeah, it was was very dicey. I'm actually surprised that I was able to get it done. Uh, Mariah was talking about, uh, my wife, she was talking about, what if we just get them to tow us all the way back to San Diego? And I was like, we really don't want to do that unless it's the last resort. Because if it's like five yeah. bucks a mile yeah. times like three or four hundred miles. Oh. Oh, so it's like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to make this work. Right. <laughs> it's cheaper to stay in a hotel and wait for a mechanic to open or something. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah and that was definitely. a real no-win situation, too, because it was New Year's Eve weekend in Las Vegas. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, and the next day was Sunday, and not a lot of mechanics are going to be open on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, so well, we were we had our eyes down the barrel That's of a uh, really, really shady oh. situation there. Oh, oh my God. You looked out, really did. Bravo. Really yeah. did. I was, I, I, oh, man. And we get home, we get home from the, the Odyssey, right, and I go to start my car just to move it <laughs> from one part of the driveway to the other. And my Uh-oh. Toyota Corolla's engine starts shuttering, and there's a check engine light on. <laughs> it's like in a horror movie when you think you're safe. It caught the yeah. bug. <laughs> oh, it was the worst. So you didn't drive me for four days, and now I'm going to fuck with <laughs> yeah. you. God, 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 and luckily, God. that one was a much easier fix, because I, I think it was like a, 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 an ignition coil had misfired, so I just had to replace it, and it's literally just pop the old one out, pop the new one in, and you're good, so... Oh, nice. but yeah, fun fun times with my my vehicles over the holidays. God, that sounds like a nightmare for me. Uh, I'll I'll save this story for a future pod. But you guys have to remind me to tell my story of when, actually, very similar to you, Joel. I was driving back from Utah over Thanksgiving, and I had a fun little adventure with my car between Las Vegas and Prim. So that will be for a future one because it's like a ten minute story, but uh, scary. Yeah. Uh, holiday holiday was good. Um, pretty chill. I did not have any really scary car endeavors. I did drive up to Julian on Christmas and it was pretty cool. It started snowing while I was up there, like really, really snowing, really big flakes, fresh powder, which was cool. And then like I drive a Jetta, so not a snow vehicle at all. And I had I know- no idea you were a hot girl. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you though? Didn't you though? <laughs> But uh, <laughs> I know nothing about cars. So to me, it's like I'm driving up. And I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. Uh, it had been raining all day here in San Diego on Christmas and uh, going higher and higher up in elevation. It just got colder and colder. And then I'm like, wow, it's pretty cool. It's snowing. Oh, windshield is icing over. That's not great. And like going around corners, you feel like the tires kind of like wiggle a little bit. You're like, huh, that's not as fun as just doing what they're supposed to do and i uh, parked at the house i was visiting in julian and it's just full-on snowing and like uh go in and i'm like hanging out and they're like yeah you bring chains i'm like nope they're like oh hmm. it just like hmm. 
And I was like, I don't like that answer. That does not sound like a vote of confidence. So I was just sitting there nervously for close to an hour. And I was like, I got to get out of here. This is making me too antsy. Like, I do not want to be stuck up in Julian for I don't know how long I got to go. So made it out of there. And the rest of the holiday was good. But that was my only brush with danger (laughs) over the holiday. So it sounds like uh, pretty tame compared to yours, Joel. Still though, man. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be stuck up in Julie either without chains. That's that that gets you pretty nervous, especially when your tires start to like not give you the traction that you're used to that you kind of take for granted. My goodness. Oh yeah, yeah. And you look at all the other vehicles up there, and it's like pickup truck, pickup truck, pickup truck, Jeep, pickup truck, pickup truck. Uh, like, hmm, not a lot of sedans up here. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> No, no Yaris's or Honda Fits. You see a lot of other Corollas. <laughs> not a lot of Jettas up there. Oh, yeah, Jettas. Geez, not Corollas. They mixed your guys' cars up. Come on, Johnny. I'm hotter than a Corolla. Uh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, I've, I've now added to the show notes. Where there's a Tony Utah Thanksgiving car story and a Johnny Utah Christmas car story that Oh. We'll have to discuss on 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 a future show. Good, good, good. <laughs> oh, geez. Um. Well, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you both made it home safely. I I've uh, I've been in a similar situation, Tony, and it's it's slightly terrifying. <laughs> we can commiserate on future episodes. I'm sure you oh, will yeah. have some. Oh, oh man. man, yeah. All yeah. all I'll say to Tiza is everybody. I hope you have seen into the wild because there will be some similarities there oh jesus <laughs> oh i haven't but I, I i i've heard of it so um trying to think about my holiday yeah i, I mean i went to utah as well um my family lives up there so went up for christmas and um weirdly enough it was like it kept saying it was going to snow it was like the we got there christmas eve it was supposed to snow christmas eve during the night at some point it was supposed to snow christmas day was supposed to snow did not snow until like the day after christmas um but you know it was still fun We, we we got to the mountains still had snow so took my uh took my kids and my niece up into the mountains and we did some sledding and stuff like that so that was pretty fun and Luckily, we flew in and out of there, so as far as driving, didn't have to uh, didn't have to worry about that a whole lot. So that helped. But um, yeah, I'm just glad to be glad to be recording again and uh, uh, excited to to talk about the Padres. I feel like with the new year, I mean, I, I know baseball season's getting closer because ESPN's fantasy baseball website is officially down for maintenance, which means they're getting ready, which it makes me very excited. So, um, I guess we should dig right in then to the, uh, to the Padres news. There's been a little bit of news since, um, since we last spoke. I think it's been like about a month since we did our last episode, but, uh, there was the winter meetings that I guess everyone is, is rather upset that more didn't happen and it means the system is broken and we need to tear it all down and, um, all is lost, but some some things did happen. Um, the Padres signed Ian Kinsler, uh, former Rangers uh, second and Tigers second baseman. I guess I should go with the team he was more uh, recently with. I just kind of always remember him as a Ranger. Um, but uh, but they signed 
30, I should get his page up first before I start going into him, a 36-year-old uh, Ian Kinsler who has primarily played second base, um, but they signed him to a two-year, $8 million, uh deal with a club option for 2021. Um, typically has been a well, very good defensive and pretty good uh, offensive second baseman, uh, especially when you consider the typical offensive second baseman. Um, but last year and, and the year before as well, to a certain extent, I'm a bit disappointing on the offensive side of things. Uh, last year hit 240 uh, with a 301 on base. Uh, did have 14 home runs, 16 steals. So nice to see those double digits um, for the homers and steals, but definitely a, a downgrade. Um, there's a Fangraphs article that I know Tony's going to dig into in a bit uh, that kind of goes into um, some of his struggles at the plate last season. But uh, but I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the signing. Um, first off, with with uh, with Joel, do you like this move or do you do you, do you dislike it? Um, ah, I don't know, and maybe that's just sort of the the general consensus is kind of like ah, like he just seems like a. Uh, I mean, he's obviously going to be starting to decline, if not already, then in the next couple of years. He's thirty six years old, but um, I, I guess the upside is that he could be that that sort of veteran leadership for the infield to sort of kind of help the guys gel together. But I mean, we've got so many Latino players. Um, I, I, I don't even think it really makes sense from that angle. So, I mean, he, he's clearly got a, a lot of limitations at this point in his career, but uh, if we're looking at this upcoming season as like another transition season, or at least the first half of the season is a transition, then I guess it could kind of make sense. What I don't get is when we sign a guy like Kinsler, we're fine with getting rid of Carlos Esuaje, but for some reason we still have Jose Perella on the team, and maybe that's a bit of a tangent. But like, I just don't get it. Like, okay, we got a second baseman now, so now we can get rid of Perella, right? Wrong for some reason. And I just, I, I don't know. That's that's the part of it, this this whole move that has been the most perplexing to me is is why is Perella still here? He's been a ghost, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe they just don't realize he's still on the roster. But um, oh my god, because he's yeah. a ghost. <laughs> spooky but um but yeah i mean he, his numbers aren't terrible like you mentioned double digit homers and steals he, he's got a little bit of upside it's just it's gonna be dwindling from here on out so i mean you know if we, we have him for a year or two i guess it'll be fine but yeah definitely not a sexy move and not one that's um easy to get excited about you kind of have to angle your way into it yeah it's um <clears throat> I, I I think obviously a lot of it you know is gonna kind of depend on how he's looking this season. But uh, Tony, I know <laughs> at least in our uh, in our in our little Facebook Messenger chat, you were typically or not typically you were generally uh, not not really on board with the move initially. How are you feeling now? Uh, my anger has diminished. It has soothed. I was really heated up about it at first because I thought it was just we were so desperate for any kind of movement. And I'm not saying like I'm, we've talked previously that I didn't think the cinder guard rumor was the right move for us, but there have been plenty of rumors that we've been tied to that I thought would be a good move for us. So for this to be basically the first real move that we make all off season is just kind of really disappointing. And on top of that, I know one of the reasons I was upset in the beginning is because I just feel like uh, Luis should be able to play second base every day. 
and I don't see any reason to move him off of that. Just like let the kid develop, let him get major league experience. Like he's supposed to be the future there, so why not give him the chance to play there? Since then, I have kind of walked it back a little bit. I still don't love the move, but I mean, there are a few factors that kind of contribute to me being okay with it. One, it's really not that much money. So it's like, it's not a real handcuff to the team. It's just like, well, $4 million a year. That's, I I can live with that, you know? Um, People have been citing that he has this like leadership ability or he can be like a Chase Utley-like role on this team outside of being a terrible human being like Chase Utley is, but like (laughs) mentor younger players. And I kind of agree with Joel where it's like, can he though? Because... We already have one of those, supposedly, with Hosmer. So it's like, how many of those leaders in the clubhouse do you need? How many players with intangibles do we need to sign before we actually see some coaching on the team? So I'm not really sold on that. But, Johnny, you shared a Fangraphs article by Jay Jaffe that kind of outlined a few reasons why it's a good move. And I will just read this uh one sentence it's it's all it basically serves as the entire crux of the argument it says here's the thing though the padres got less than nothing out of their second baseman in 2018 perella aswahe and spanchenberg and three other guys combined for a 78 wrc plus and a negative 0.1 war at the spot Jeez. i mean when uh, you put it like that <laughs> I, I i can't really argue it's not like we have a better option and uh the article goes on to later basically state that Kinsler will play at second. Luis will be bumped over to shore until Tatis comes up, which I think we all kind of expect he'll be up uh, earliest, maybe May or June, latest September. So he will be up at some point, and then you just put him at short, and Kinsler kind of becomes your utility guy uh, from then on. If that's the case, uh, I'm okay with that. Mostly because I don't believe this year is a contending year. It's still a feel it out, give the young players time to uh, grow into their positions. So if this is what we have, then I'm okay with it. I'm just not as sold on the kind of positives that everybody else seems to be sold on. The leadership, the super utility thing. People are like, oh, he's won a gold glove. And Joel and I were talking about this before you joined, Johnny. It's like, okay, so what? That's basically a meaningless award like congratulations <laughs> you you have a trophy but it it's all right i think my disappointment just mostly stems from us or me having a desire for the padres to do better and find a term that is better for the team uh long term like this is a two-year thing it's clearly a stopgap, and i just i would rather them try and figure out third base or add to the rotation or anything like that so i am lukewarm on the signing overall not terrible but not that excited about it you're whelmed (laughs) i am extremely whelmed extremely whelmed yeah which in that way it's kind of disappointing because if you're you know it's especially when coming into it yeah there were there were multiple reports and articles of we're going to be aggressive in free agency and granted free agency isn't over um there's still you know a couple almost three months left you know basically mm-hmm. until the season begins unfortunately god it's so <laughs> um but <clears throat> but you know at the so there's a lot of time and and you know a lot of, and, and at the same time you're not going to build your team by april there's going to be you know mid-season trades um you know and, and especially because aj seems to be a guy at least early on 
um, who, you know, has that knack for picking up the guys who their other their their current team is kind of soured on them in some way, shape, or form, and then, you know, kind of brings them in and and tries to you know, you know, rehabilitate them back to a productive asset who can then you know potentially even be flipped into more future assets. So, uh, you know, I think there definitely are moves to come. It just it definitely is a bummer that it didn't happen at the winter meetings because that used to be. You know, that used to be uh, kind of the wheeling and dealing time Hot that stove. Was when everyone decided to reshuffle their decks. Yeah, I mean, there was, you know, it, it was, it, I, I was really excited when it was going on, and I'm like, okay, it's a couple, couple signings, that's exciting, <laughs> I guess. Um, so, yeah, nothing, nothing too exciting. I feel like probably a lot of teams, fan bases this year felt a little disappointed after those winter meetings. Um, but with specifically regards to Kinsler, yeah, I, I am excited for the glove aspect. Um, I mean, last year alone, defensive war, he had a, a 11.6. Now, to, uh, with that, it was also a negative 7.3 offensive war. So it's like as, as fantastic as the defense was, the, the offense was was pretty anemic. I mean, it, and in that article as well that, that, that you were mentioning, um, you know, he's, he's in, I believe, the bottom eight percent um with regards to exit velocity um so that's that as well is concerning um so we'll we'll have to see it's i'm i'm hoping that his bat hasn't just taken a steep you know decline because in, in back even you know as recently as 2016 he was he was pretty productive so um we'll 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 have to see how that goes although heck at that point that's three years ago dang it's already 2019 um but uh you know i i'm kind of interested to see how he goes i i don't expect that just because he's a you know a recognizable name that he's guaranteed playing time i think that contract really speaks you know more for what his role on the team is going to be um Maybe that's, you know, maybe that's why I, I know Tony had brought it up. Like a lot of people think that he's going to be like the new clubhouse dad. Maybe that's why they released the, uh, the original or the, the, I guess, former now clubhouse dad was uh, Clayton Kershaw, who was the corresponding move for signing Ian Kinsler. They uh, designated, or, oh my gosh, I said Clayton Kershaw, didn't I? <laughs> Jeez. I saw Clayton and then just immediately said Kershaw because... Uh, hopes and dreams. Um, take two on that. Uh, no, so the uh, the Padres designate Clayton Richard, not Kershaw, uh, for assignment, and then eventually uh, during that ten day period, traded him to Toronto. Uh, in return, we got back a twenty five year old minor league outfielder, Connor Panis, um, who is a twenty five year old minor league outfielder. So you know. Um, I think that kind of speaks for itself. Not that he's like you know a bad person or anything like that. It's just you know not massively impactful player. Um, I you know hope that he makes it up to the major league sometime. And if he does, um, I hope that he you know is a, a positive contributor. Um, but kind of you know seems like it was just a kind of you know get rid of a guy to to uh, to get him off the the active roster more than anything. Um, but uh, but with Richard gone. Uh, you know, he was the 2018 opening day starter. So we, so uh, at this point, we kind of have to look and see, you know, who's who's going to replace him. I've got to think probably the the obvious choice would be Joey Lucchese, 
with how good of a uh, of a rookie season he had. That's kind of kind of probably be my my obvious choice. But uh, but Tony, who would who would your maybe obvious choice, and then maybe what what would be a hopeful for you of of uh, if you had if you were the you know the the manager, who would you pencil in for opening day? Are we assuming only players that are on the roster right now? Um. Make have fun with it. <laughs> well, if we're, I think the obvious pick is Lucchese. I I think he's the uh, best pitcher we have on the roster right now. I think he's the most exciting, um, and I think he's kind of earned it. You know, he had a good year last year, and I think it would be really cool if he got that nod to kind of uh, signal this wave of youth that we have kind of coursing through the team. Yeah, we have a few uh, dads like Kinsler and. I mean, Hosmer's not even that old, really. So um, the team is really young, and it would be exciting to see a really young, uh, exciting pitcher kind of lead the team into 2019. That being said, uh, it would be cool if we were to uh, either sign or trade for a more legitimate uh, top of the rotation starter. Um, I don't know who that would be. I I am just going to go off of uh, some rumors that we were linked to that I actually would have been a fan of we were linked to a uh, stroman from toronto for a few weeks and i loved loved that idea buy low total bounce back candidate taking uh going out of the al east moving to the nl west into our stadium i think it would be a really positive turn for him but uh hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's not going to happen but if we were to acquire someone like that i would be very excited and could see them kind of being penciled in as number one. I'm not sure if he's better than Lucchese or if he would get the nod because Lucchese is kind of our, you know, he's our boy, and Stroman would just be joining the team, so I'm not sure if that would earn him the right to start, but uh, that would be exciting as well. And I guess like a dark horse is Eric Lauer, but I think I think Lucchese gets the nod. Yeah, so uh, I have to agree uh, to make it unanimous here. It's got to be Lucchese is the, the obvious choice for right now but let's get wild let's get a little crazy Ooh, clayton kershaw <laughs> i'm <Kershaw. laughs> no, going in a different direction i think we should um uh maybe take a look at the uh, the hottest new trend sweeping major league baseball uh well sw- sweeping the milwaukee brewers <laughs> oh my gosh and uh yeah. oh i think we should man. go with the opener strategy i, I think we should see yes. maybe kirby yates out there to uh the opener for the opener yeah why not? I mean, it's a new era. Uh, we want to we want to move towards positionless baseball, as Johnny is is so passionately, uh, uh, you know, uh, advocated for. I think we should uh, we should you talk about making a, a signal to, to Major League Baseball about the the youth coursing through this team. I think that kind of mindset is something that Andy Green would be all about, um, and I would love to see that happen uh, with with either Kirby Yates or Craig Stammen, um as as uh, candidates for the opener position. That would be awesome. I I am so behind that idea. That would be so wild and so down. I hope they do that. That'd be really cool. I want them to do that, but the only difference is that the first pitch of the year is going to be a hundred and one mile an hour fastball from Rob. Stock. <laughs> yeah. Stock watches up, baby. It's <laughs> right down the middle. Boom. Welcome to twenty nineteen. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. oh, be still. My heart. <laughs> I forgot about stock. Good call, Johnny. Oh man, 
I think my uh, my my dark horse or who would be fun um, is also a guy not on the team, which would be Trevor Bauer. Uh, I just I think it would be interesting to see his personality in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I I, I I think he would have fun there. Um, so and and I think he's just like and right now entering that part of his career where he's just going to keep getting better so i'm excited i think he's the next uh diamondbacks pitching prospect who was traded away way too early (laughs) and then blossomed and was greater than they ever could have imagined a la max scherzer Mm, oh wow suck it (laughs) wow damn just drive the knife in kill him kill him um (laughs) but um yeah, the, 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 I, I. Other than that, I love that opener idea though. That would be that would be really fun. Um, <laughs> do like an opener, and then like for the fir- and then as well. Not only are you doing an opener, but for the first pitch, just do some like wacky ass shift. It's really gonna piss off <laughs> <Rob> Manfred. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be so good. Can you imagine going like stock to Winginter? To Castillo, oh, just like all the big boys, the hard throwers yeah. out of the bullpen, that would be exciting. And then Lauer at some point, just like yes. lefty throwing it like yep. <laughs> eighty-eight, just oh. soft tossing it. I I'm a big fan of this idea now, Joel. I think you've completely swayed. Excellent. Me. Yep. Totally. Totally. So now we just gotta. Keep oh the man. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um. All right, so I am going to, um, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to skip section C and then just move on to the discussion. Cool. All right, um, so we're going to move on to our discussion today because we, we have been talking a little bit about the, the lack of trades and, and uh, you know, we like to see a little bit more. Uh, there has been one persistent trade rumor that's been going on since a little bit before the winter meetings, um, which is a prospective Miguel... And Duhar trade. Um, the Yankees have been in talks to sign Manny Machado, and if he signs there, he would uh, take take uh, and and Duhar's spot. Um, and so there have been some some talks of moving him with some different teams. The Padres have been one of those teams. Um, as far as the specifics, and I, I I've read like four or five different articles and very few of them seem to actually know anyone in our farm system. They're just like the Padres, uh, they're in talks. They've got a lot of minor (laughs) league pitchers. Um, and then you'll like some Dennis Lynn article will actually give some information, but, uh, but you know what, um, under what conditions would you guys be in favor of it happening? Um, cause I'm sure there are quite a few different names being thrown out there. Um, so Tony, why don't we uh, why don't we start with you? Under what condition would you be fine with the Andujar trade? I mean, the the conditions do not exist. Like I I'm not a fan of the idea. So for me, it's like what conditions does that have to exist? Well, they they gave them away and they want bottom tier prospects and they throw in something else as well. But like in all seriousness, I. I don't know. Like I, I certainly would not send away any of what I consider to be our top prospects. You're not getting Gore, you're not getting Tatis, you're not getting Luis, and I don't think I would even give like Patino or 
uh, Morejon or like any of those kind of like uh, Paddock. Like I just, I don't know. His defense is terrible, like truly, truly terrible. And I know we need offense really badly, but in my mind, I would rather give Will Myers one, like play him at third. And he had a lot of injuries last year, but they were all pretty freakish, like hitting a foul ball and it hits his ankle and shatters his entire ankle. And it's like, oh, well, that sucks. Or like just really, really weird stuff that I can't really... I know it lends to his like injury prone storyline that he has, but it's, I felt like it was a little bit of a unfair story for him last year. So in my eyes, I would rather just play him at third. If he's terrible at defense, congratulations. That would, that's what you would have gotten with Duhar anyway. And if he's terrible at the bat, then I think that is our definitive sign that we need to move on from Will. And if he's not, then you basically have the same thing you would have gotten with Duhar anyway, and you didn't have to give away any prospects. Uh, all the reports are that the Yankees kind of want a really good package for him because they don't need to trade him away. That's a thing. It's not like they're uh, flush with prospects at the position. So if they trade him away, they're creating a hole that is either filled by Machado or someone else. And I think when a team is in that kind of position, they don't have to take a bad package. They can wait and they can uh, kind of use it as leverage of like, well, throw in someone else, go for someone else. I know. I think before we traded away Brad Hand, he was linked to Andujar as that kind of trade. And when we look at what we got for Hand at the deadline with Mejia, I mean, you kind of get a barometer of what it would take to get him. And I just don't think I'm comfortable with that for him. So that's me personally. The offense is certainly there. I mean, it's the numbers are great. He has a 297 batting average, 27 homers, and 92 RBI last year. Um, slash line of 328, 527, 855. Yeah, that, that'd that be pretty nice. That'd be pretty nice to have on the team. But I just, I don't know. I'm not in love with the idea. So for me, the like if it has to happen, it would be like, I, I don't even know the Yankees team that well. So it's like uh, some major league uh, players that we have now that we are trying to move anyway, someone like Hedges or Renfro, but I don't think the Yankees need outfielders, so it's like, what do we, what do we give them instead? Um, and then it would have to be prospects, and I've already gone into why I don't want to give away the prospects that they would be looking for. So, I don't know. Personally, not a fan of the idea, but I am very curious to hear your guys' take on it because I feel like you might be a little different. Uh, Johnny, why don't you go first? Sure. Yeah. Um. So I was taking a look through the through the prospects to see like kind of at what point would I be in. So I'm looking through, uh, you know, Tatis, no, Gore, no, Mejia, probably not, um, Luis, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't want to trade Paddock, not Morahone, not Baez. Logan Allen would be the, I think probably the at the first point in which I would say maybe. Um, and this is, sorry, this is based off, um, this is based off the MLB pipeline, their 2018 prospect watch. Mm. Um, and then below it, they have Patino, I would not trade, Weathers, I don't think so. Carl? Carl Weathers, <laughs> you know, yeah. David Weathers. Weathers and a couple major league ready plays, baby, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> trade Bruin. Um... Cal Quantrill. Oh, of course not. Probably. He... Oh, I know. I know this. Is oh crazy. my lord! 
I know. I know. I love Cal Quantrill, but like I'm I'm simultaneously extremely worried. <laughs> <laughs> Why ever would you be worried? <laughs> I you know just well, did look great in double A if I can really be honest here. <laughs> If 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 uh, if we can be honest in the off season, uh, his last season concerned me a little bit. Uh, uh, the veneer is chipping away. I know, I know. My heart is with him, but the numbers are concerning me. Um, so I don't know. Jacob Nix, I would include in a trade. Same. Um, but but I don't think you know, like Nix, Renfro, and. I'm not sure what else. Um, I don't know. Something else that isn't too terrible to get rid of. Like, something like that, I'd be okay with. Just give with. him, like, five um, of, like, the super, super little guys, right? Like, I'm looking at the bottom of this MLB pipeline. Give oh, him, like, yeah. Give him Owen Miller. Give him Austin Allen. Give him Grant Little. <laughs> <laughs> I like Owen Miller. So we'll keep Owen Miller, but everyone else... See Grant Little, Dylan Coleman. We'll throw out Austin Allen, and uh, they can't touch anyone else. (laughs) The only other way, though, Tony, because I'm like, I just, I just, I want to keep everyone because what's what's the worst that happens? We have a wealth of riches, like oh no, and no salary cap. Yeah, exactly. It's just. I don't know. It's stuff. The only kind of creative idea I can think of, I personally would not be for this because I love this player and do not want to see him go to get Andrew Hart back. But I mean, you could kind of construct a package around uh, if the Yankees go and sign a third baseman, then you view uh, Andrew Hart as a DH, trade him over here, they get back Fran Mill, who then becomes their DH. I think he fits into that role pretty nicely. But the Yankees already have like other players that can fill that role as well. So I just, I don't know. It it doesn't. I feel like all the reports make it seem like oh it's a match made in heaven. Like, oh it's gonna happen. Like oh there's so many pieces. It, it's too perfect. And I just don't see it. I don't see why it's such a good fit. Yeah, the one guy I could see us giving to them who actually I think would be a good fit is Josh Naylor. Mm. Um, That's right. I forgot about him. Because they they do not have. A first baseman really from what i remember mm-hmm. um and so he can kind of play that first base dh role um and he did really really well in double a last season so yeah he's uh, valuable he for could, sure you know yeah as as a team who's you know looking to compete in the next few years unfortunately for the yankees um that that would be you know maybe like nicks naylor and Renfro, maybe not Renfro. I don't know. At that point, Naylor and Renfro are kind of the same, but Nick's Naylor and something. Um, <laughs> Brian Mitchell for uh, Brian Mitchell. I know, right? Yeah, I'm like, how do we get Brian Mitchell back? Dear God, I forgot maybe he's still on this team. <laughs> yeah. Somehow. God, how are him and Perella? St- ah, Jesus. Yeah. <sighs> Joel, what's your what are your uh, minimum conditions for this happening? Yeah, I'm taking a similar tack to, to Johnny here and trying to look through at these prospects. I get down to, and you mentioned they don't really have a need at outfield, but um, 
I get down to like Tirso Arnelas, uh, Jason Rosario, but like those guys look like they're going to be pretty good too. So like I don't know. I think we all kind of have the same underlying um, anxiousness about you know we're we're all behind the process, quote unquote. Um, it, it, this experiment that that it really doesn't seem like it should be that much of an experiment. We've just got a bunch of prospects and we want to hang on to them, but I feel like that's why we've been so averse to these trade talks whenever they come up it seems like is because we want to see it happen we just want to see like just let it do what it's going to do and let's see what happens when you take all of these uh highly touted prospects and let them work their way through the system and just hang on to as many of them as you can um because otherwise it's it's almost like it's tainting the experiment you know what i mean um so i I don't know i think I feel like I kind of fall down uh, in the same camp as you, Tony, and I don't know if there are conditions where I would want this to happen. Um, we can we can get by with Will Myers at third. We can mix and match with the infield pieces that we have that we project are going to come up this season. Um, I don't think it's as big of a problem as it seems. I think we actually have a very good problem right now in that we've got a lot of talented players that are sort of squeezing each other out of, of playing time or will be here in the, in the near future. I think that's a sign of a team that's really going to come up quickly. So yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I say don't force it. And, and AJ Preller has not been the kind of GM to force things. He's uh, got a history now of standing pat when he doesn't think he's getting the value that he should be for players that he, he's, you know, uh, either targeting or, or trying to move. So I, I'm not too worried that this is going to happen. I feel like a lot of this talk and we've, been hearing a lot of rumors swirling around about the Padres targeting a lot of different players. We talk about Stroman. We talk about um, Andujar. Uh, I've heard Mustakas is on the table. Um, I think that's just, honestly, I feel like it's a due diligence that, that Preller is doing, making some phone calls saying, hey, what's up with this guy? And then, you know, your your beat writers get a hold of it and they blow it up into to something that's not because, hey, nothing happened at the winter meetings. And it's the Padres. The Padres always make trades, and you know they're going to shoot themselves in the foot at some point. So, uh, I, I think what's going to happen is probably nothing for a little while, and it may seem frustrating, but I, I don't know. I think I'm okay with it. Yeah, I think I am as well. Um, I'm trying to find the article that I sent you guys a few weeks ago, but there was a FanGraphs article that was talking about um, <clears throat> prospects who are traded and versus prospects who stick with uh, the same team and. And kind of their production, and they they actually noticed a production drop off for um, for prospects who are traded once they get to their new team, and they weren't really able necessarily to pinpoint kind of why that was happening. Kind of more just observing that it was happening, um, and it kind of after reading that, it kind of gave me pause, uh, you know, as to you know should we should we you know really be you know kind of rating the farm system at all. Um, or should we just keep letting these guys, you know, come up and, you know, wait for Godfather offers to be presented to us instead of, you know, being active? I know AJ is really active as far as, you know, constantly in trade talks, but um, I, I, at a certain point, I feel like we'll, we'll maybe we just kind of have to, like, let everything mature and, you know, maybe this is the season to do that to kind of, you know, let the kids really take over the team and, and, uh, and see what they can do. Yeah, I think that's well said. I mean, uh, Joel, you nailed it. I, I just think, yeah, we have a problem of having too much uh, potential talent. But I just uh, – and ultimately, I'm not averse to trading away prospects like 
on principle. It's just I don't think this is the right fit. If we're talking about starting pitching, like young, controllable starting pitching for the next three to four years, yeah, let's talk about it all day. Let's make up some perspective packages. Uh, we talked about Cindergarten, why that was kind of a little more in the right track, but just for me personally, between the injury history and his contract, it wasn't what we should go for and what we would have to give up to get him. It just wasn't what we were going for. I'm kind of looking for more of a buy low, bounce back candidate like our uh, Sonny Gray or uh, Stroman, something like that. Or just wait and let's see if the ownership is really ready to put up some money. Let's see if they go for someone like a uh, Cole, who I think becomes a free agent after this upcoming season. It's like, I mean, uh, we'll see. So it it's not just uh, we're not trading away any prospects. It's just I don't think this is the right move. Say I think, uh, and this is kind of a again a little tangential connection, but I, I think back to, to the big signing of Hosmer. I almost wonder if that's like a, a signal to you know free agents that are be coming up around the league. Like, hey, it's okay to come here. We'll we'll pay players now. Um, we'll give you safe long term deals. Um, and, and Hosmer is kind of the first, uh, like I said, signal of of that. So we we might see him stick around for a little while, and then like like what Tony was saying, we go after a guy like a Garrett Cole or. You know, then we can start to kind of leapfrog our way to those those really big name marquee free agents. It's not something you can just make a huge splash all of a sudden out of nowhere, uh, because you know the players need to, to see a reputation out of the team as well, rather than just you know we've got we've got the money here you go you know. Yeah, I mean that was kind of you know I I love that Fernando Tatis Jr. is on the team, but the reason that we got him is we signed James Shields to like this big ass extension, and then the next season I think traded him mid season, um, which if you're a free agent does not in make you want to come to San right. Diego. I mean, there's a lot of things that make you want to come to San Diego, but if you're doing that, you might not want to play for San Diego. So yeah, I mean, as much as I have been kind of on the um, slightly regretting the Hosmer deal train in the last few months. That's a good point. Like we, we should treat the free agents well if we want them to come right. here <laughs> and not isn't, get so angry after one season. <laughs> yeah, isn't Hosmer repped by uh, Scott Boris as well? Indeedly do. Yeah. So I mean, obviously a huge player or a huge name in free agency talks. So I mean probably someone that's good to at least be on good terms with uh no matter your personal opinion of him it's just the way it is now so can you imagine if we had garrett cole and garrett a healthy garrett richards in 2020 oh my god i forgot oh Oh. Oh. you want to talk about fantasy land boy oh boy (laughs) and then i mean i feel like by that point you know morahone's probably ready he's probably uh Mackenzie Gore might come up mid-season. Ooh, man! Oh man! Ooh. Cal Quantrill will. Just <laughs> <up by> <laughs> He's gonna turn it around. Hey, I want yeah. him to bounce back just as badly as anybody else. That'd oh be great. man! I know. Seriously, jeez. Um, well, I think that's. I think that just about covers it on the uh, on the Enduhar. I just love saying it like that. Um, discussion hypothetical trade we'll see we'll see how it goes um honestly at this point you know for what the yankees want i feel like we're probably it sounds like we're all in the uh let's hold them and just see how our guys play out you know i I, like you were saying tony i really don't see what's so bad about playing myers who's probably similar defensively at, at third base for another season so 
we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh, we'll start wrapping up the show here and, uh, and get into our recommendations this week. And since Tony is the only one who's written something in, I'm going to start off with you, Tony. What is your recommendation to the fine uh, folks at home? Yeah, no problem. Happy to go first here. I noticed none of us had anything in the dock. I was like, uh, uh, let me let me put something in here. I think I need to buy the buy the guys some time. So uh, thank you. Of course, my recommendation is to buy a good pair of boots. And when I say boots, I just mean uh, doesn't have to be like a, a dress boot or kind of like a hiking boot or an everyday boot. Uh, could be any combination of those three. There are plenty of companies now that have a wide range of boots that you can kind of uh, pick and choose from uh, personally I bought a pair of kind of like everyday boots from this company called Thursday I think they're uh, based out in New York and uh, it was a couple months ago I was kind of flopping between all these different companies I have a pair of boots that I use for hiking but they're kind of uh, they're not leather they're like a suede and they're like a sand suede so that way when you go hiking you get them all dusted up it's like well whatever they just kind of just look how they looked before but uh, I took them hiking, but I was looking for kind of an everyday boot that I could also use kind of like dress up a little bit. And Thursday had a pretty good line of boots and it has been a couple months now. So I feel like I've given them enough time to give them a proper review and they are fantastic. Um, I wear them every single day and I have plenty of comfy shoes from like your tennis shoes, your kind of like dressier shoes, but I just cannot, uh, stop wearing the boots i get compliments on them all the time super classy really easy to take care of i got them in a leather that uh, you actually don't apply product to so you don't put any kind of like a wax or oil or water protectant on it at all you just brush them down with a boot brush so once a week i just take them out brush them for about five minutes and they look uh, like they're brand new but they kind of have this nice worn in look now that a good pair of boots will get you so this is my first time really splurging on a nicer pair of boots, and I do not regret it at all. Huge upgrade. Uh, look really sharp. You can wear them with just about anything. I wear jeans basically every day of the week, and boots go great with jeans. So uh, my recommendation is buy a good pair of boots, and my pair is personally from a company called Thursday. Nice. Like the band. I Probably. wish it was the band that made them. That'd be great. <laughs> I'd buy two pairs. <laughs> oh man, uh, I, I actually I don't think I have any any boots. I've always looked at the Clark Desert the Clark's Desert boots. Those are, like those, nice those are great. Boots. I was yeah. I was going to buy those for a long time, and then I went and uh, tried them on. I have pretty particular feet, high arches, and they're just kind of like weirdly shaped. So a lot of shoes are actually really uncomfortable for my feet. And unfortunately, that was the case with the Clarks. But mm -hmm. I am giving a huge disclaimer that that is my feet. It is not the boots because I know many people who have those boots, including a good friend of mine, and uh, they love them. So I co-sign Clark's boots. I just personally did not go with them. Uh, Joel, what is your recommendation? Uh, my recommendation uh, is a game that I played over the holiday break uh, with some family over. We played it, I think, over New Year's, actually. Um, it's, uh, it's a variant of Settlers of Catan. It's called Brotherhood of the Watch. Uh, it's a Game of Thrones-themed nice. Settlers of Catan. It's, it's actually really fun. So it's, it's similar to your standard Catan, and you can actually play normal Catan with the, the, the pieces that come in the box. Or if you want to play the, the Game of Thrones variant, you set the pieces up a little differently, um, and then there's this wall, there's like a plastic wall, 
and there's wildlings up in the north part of the wall, and they're all trying to, like, come down, um, and they'll, they act as, like, extra thieve pieces. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Settlers of Catan. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, if they break through the wall, uh, they they take over the, the hex that you're, you know, whoever has resources or, you know, uh, what's the word, settlements on, so they can't draw resources from those hex, uh, hexes. So it just adds, like, another layer of urgency, and, and um, uh, it's, like, a different win condition as well, because if the wall gets breached three times, it turns out, like, whoever has the most guards on the wall is the winner of the game. So there's just, like, an extra extra metagame to, to keep track of to try to, you know, uh, make sure you're winning the game whichever way it turns, right? So standard Settlers of Catan... You basically you either build a super long road, right, or you uh, you convert enough settlements into cities, uh, and then you, you win that way. But with the this Game of Thrones version, there's like that extra wrinkle that makes it even more interesting and fun. And then all of the really high dice roll resource hexes, they're all right next to the wall. So like if you really if you want to be getting your resources and you want to develop, you have to take that risk of of being right next to the wall and being one of the first ones to lose your resources if they break through. It's just really fun. Uh, it's, it's hard to describe over a podcast, but um, I highly recommend it. It's really high-quality materials that they make the game board and even the box out of. So uh, I was really pleased with it. It was something I got as a birthday present a while back and only just was able to, to play the game over New Year's, but uh, I highly recommend it. I still have yet to play Settlers of Catan. I need to Missing out. Yeah, I think I, Danny's uh, Danny's friend who lives in our in our apartment complex. She's doing like a game night next weekend, I think. I think that's one of the games we're supposed to play. So, nice. yeah, dude, yeah. go for Catan for sure. Yeah, it's. I think the quickest way to describe it would be like if you took Monopoly and Risk and smashed them together. Yep. Oh, perfect! I'm gonna crush them. <laughs> it's pretty good. Really easy to learn too. I feel like at most one full game and you've got it but i think everybody uh i've only played it a handful of times but i remember that first time i played about two or three turns in you're like okay i, I think i'm on basically the same playing level as everybody else here oh, uh, good. obviously yeah it's it's not super complex but uh it's really fun any any first time player tips um um I don't know. Joel might uh, be able to speak better to that. I I think the only tip I would give, and I mean, I'm not like an expert player or anything, so maybe someone will listen and be like, oh, God, rookie, what an idiot. But it seems like being close to a dock, I, I think a dock or a port or whatever it is, is important. Yeah. Uh, kind of allows you to shuffle your resources out. So if you are uh, overflowing with one resource and you're kind of stuck uh, trying to get another one being close to a port allows you to kind of shuffle for that one which uh is important so otherwise you'll have to kind of beg for other players to give you that resource and then they have all the leverage because they know yeah you so what i would say is um yeah ports are good because then you can like you can get whatever resources you want but it costs you like two of, uh, of a certain type of resource or something like that um but then uh it, you got to find a way to force your way into into resources so uh, I think development cards are really good for that. Um, you'll see when you play the game. You can you can trade in your resources to build development cards, which can um, you can trade really easily into getting other resources, like a one for one trade or something like that. Uh, but any any way that you can force your way into resources is going to give you an advantage because every, everything else is just uh, relying on dice rolls, and then you know that can grind you or other players to a halt if you're not getting the 
the right dice rolls to get the process, uh, you know, the resources that you need. Um, so yeah, like the the player that we play with who wins just about every time we play, and it gets a little bit annoying, but it's it's still fun. But um, <laughs> what he does is he he doesn't trade. No, it's not Tommy, but uh, he <laughs> this guy he doesn't trade with people unless like. Uh, it's to, to give him more value, right? So he's always, whenever he goes to, to offer a trade with somebody, you always know that he's already got a way to force his way into that same resource anyway. So like, and, and it works really well because then it forces people to trade with him because they want to get some value when they know he's just going to do what he's going to do either way. So yeah, that's that's the general tip that I would give. It's just any way you can think of to force your way into more resources is going to get you ahead. Perfect. Seduce my wife and get some more. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Form some alliances. Oh, That'll do. There that. we go. There we go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and start a fight between like the other couple that we're with. Yeah. Like, you know, just try and pick them apart. <laughs> Johnny, you're, <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're a natural. <laughs> oh, that would be terrible. <laughs> But but really funny to watch on TV. One of those, <laughs> one of those things. Um, all right, my recommendation for this week is uh, a book that I was reading um, on that wonderful Gutenberg books at book books app. Blah, 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 I can talk um, on the Gutenberg books app that uh, I think I recommended on a previous podcast. But it is by uh, Cicero, the Roman I don't know scribe. I feel like there's like a lot of I guess the scribe doesn't really describe him, but he wrote a lot of things and did a lot of stuff <laughs> and lived in the Roman time. Um, but he uh, had this, I don't know, writing. Uh, it's called the Treatise. Uh, there's one called the Treatise on Friendship and one called the Treatise on Old Age. Um, and so they combined both of them and put them in this book. And it's, I'm assuming, translated into English. Um, but the translation made it, like, pretty easy to read, and I felt like I was still getting a grasp of, like, what he was actually saying. Um, but it was, I don't know, it was, it was in very enjoyable, and it was, um, interesting to read. I don't even think it was him for most of the, most of the writing. Um, but, uh, it was interesting to read thoughts on, like, friendship and old age from, um, back in the Roman time period and kind of how it's still, uh, like being a good friend back then and being a good friend today, I think are you know effectively the same thing. You know, there's just kind of one way to to be a good friend. They're like big on virtue and being virtuous and like honest and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, yeah, it's it's good points. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, that's my recommendation. Read through it. Um, if you're like me and you're 30, but then still being like, oh my god, I'm old because you're you know ridiculous. Um, that's kind of nice to read as well. Uh, so. Yeah, read some Cicero. Not just the guy from Skyrim. <laughs> <sighs> oh, I don't think I took a breath during all of that. I should breathe more. Did you feel lightheaded? Or... <laughs> oh, man. I just like took a deep breath at the end, and I was like, oh, shit. I forgot about breathing. Sometimes. Yeah. Okay, anyway. That is it. Uh, pretty much, yeah, for the show for this week. Um... I'm not sure when we'll record again. I don't know for I don't think we're necessarily back on the every other week, but probably like once a month at least. Um, yeah, 
because plus, I mean, pitchers and catchers are reporting, what, mid-February, I think, so that's mm-hmm. coming. It's, like, almost always right around Valentine's Day for some reason. I don't know why. Why, why? Valentine's Day? Um, but, uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll be back at some point if you'd like to get a hold of us. Uh, honestly, the best way is probably email, which is dadstalkingdads at gmail.com. There is also a Twitter. Don't know the last time I logged into it, but to be fair, I could say that for the email as well. Um, but you it's know what? Off-season. Now that I said it, I'll check it. So maybe there'll be a nice surprise in there. Um, the Twitter as well is at Dads Talking Dads. Uh, the website, if you'd like to download the episode directly, is dadstalkingdads.podbean.com. You can find us in almost whichever podcast app website that you use uh of course the show's name is that's talking dads um feel free to subscribe uh rate review leave comments whatever you would like to do um but for this week uh sorry totally had a uh totally had a brain fart on that i was like, about to say something and then it totally lost my mind um but uh, <laughs> That is it for this week. Uh, I am Johnny. I'm Joel. I'm Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> Whoa. Power. <laughs> oh, thank you all once again for listening, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. All right. Hit stop record. Everybody has, if anybody has something funny to say, you have like two seconds before I hit stop. Boobies. Oh, all the funny is gone. <laughs>